There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Yes, they were there. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that are extremely nervous right now. I don't know how it is that the media, I, I just want you to imagine for a moment that a Republican was in the White House right now and we literally were engaged in an act of war against a foreign country. Does anybody really believe the media wouldn't be wall-to-wall covering it? Because that's just not true. When the United States and Great Britain pound Yemen, that's a very dramatic escalation. And it says, first and foremost, what I really want to know is, how do they keep doing this without Congress being more involved? Why doesn't Congress get involved? You know, the United States military can be called up at any time. They know that. When they enter into the military, which is why I honor them every Friday, because it's an incredible sacrifice, whether you ever see combat or not. But you sign up to go wherever the commander-in-chief and the Pentagon send you. And so right now, if we're striking Houthi targets in Yemen, we can no longer deny that we are engaged in a proxy war with Iran. Yemen is not funding the Houthis. It's not funding Hezbollah. It didn't fund Hamas. Iran funds them. And so if we're now going to start striking back, and trust me, we need to strike back. Well, then shouldn't Congress be somewhat involved? I know that the President has the War Powers Act. But this could get really ugly, really big, really quickly. Because in spite of the fact that Israel has been waging a military campaign in Gaza, the media lost interest in that story and immediately decided that the Israelis who are basically fighting back against an attack that happened against its civilians on October 7th, well, now they're the bad guys. So the media is no longer really that concerned or interested in it other than to write an occasional article about how, you know, Bibi Netanyahu's got to go. But Anthony Blinken just uh, is doing this Middle Eastern tour again and leaving messages for Bibi and his government about uh, you know discontinuing the military campaign in Gaza. That's not going to happen. So now we have global trade being disrupted 
by a bunch of terrorists. And the group, which, by the way, functions as the de facto government in large swaths of Yemen, has carried out 27 attacks in November, December, and January. So the United States and the partner nations, I think it's Australia now, uh, the UK, they were sending warships over there. They were saying, you know, here's our red line. Don't cross this red line. And then, of course, bada-bing, all of a sudden, we're launching attacks against the Houthis. Now, so far, they're saying very few casualties. We don't know that. And I don't trust, first of all, I don't trust the Pentagon. They don't even know where the Secretary of Defense is half the time. Okay, maybe not half the time. Who are these Houthis and why are they attacking ships in the Red Sea? Half of the American people don't even know. It's almost like on Monday when I do my informational look at Martin Luther King Jr., people ask me, why do you feel that it's necessary to do a show like that? Well, because we are the most undereducated, educated population in the world. If you walked out on the, right now, walked out of wherever you're working or wherever you're at home, might be at home working, and you ask the first five people that you see, who are the Houthis and why are they attacking ships in the Red Sea? You'll either get that blank stare or you'll get that embarrassed sort of giggle and they'll say something like, well, uh, they're, they're a terrorist group. Well, no, they're not actually a terrorist group. And they'll start mitigating because, you see, they used to be considered a terrorist group. And then the Biden administration came in and said, nah, you know, we don't want to call them terrorists anymore. So they became terrorists again by committing acts of terrorism. Now, who didn't expect that? What's more important is my question to this administration, attacks that endanger, uh, you know, our personnel, our military personnel, or attacks that might endanger uh, ship captains, mariners, civilian mariners, our partners, or the fact that trade is being threatened because without the freedom of navigation in the Red Sea, there's no free flow of international commerce. And at this point, they've said it enough, and I believe them, it's a global economy. We got the Secretary of Defense. He's been in the hospital since the 1st of January. It's the 12th. Now, I understand that when you have complications, particularly once you're over 40, 50 years old, it could get dicey. He's carrying out military action from his hospital bed at Walter Reed. I'm not real comfortable with that. Are you? Thank goodness he's got the support of uh, Canada and the Netherlands, Australia, the UK, and Bahrain, although I'm still trying to figure out how they figured in this. So all they're trying to do, according to Lloyd Austin, from his hospital bed, is disrupt and degrade the Houthis' capabilities. Now, this is the third pretty large-scale military action 
that America has undertaken since our Secretary of Defense became so ill that he basically disappeared into intensive care, mind you. And nobody knew. I, I just have to say, I find it very hard to believe, and all I'm hearing today from Politico and all these uh, journalists out there, the few that are talking about it, is that it doesn't matter. He's been involved in every decision. He is in charge. I don't have complications from prostate cancer surgery going on. I'm still reeling from the effects of a cold, okay? But I certainly would not trust myself to be engaging in military action against Iranian-backed proxies in the Middle East. Just saying. Particularly if the commander-in-chief was Joe Biden. So, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm starting to get really, really nervous. 60 targets were struck. And according to, you know, the, the mainstream media, Secretary Austin was involved in all of this and watching the operation in real time. I have a question, and I don't know if anybody else has really been thinking about this, but I have thought of little else. How is it that for five days, the President of the United States did not have any conversations with the Secretary of Defense, and yet we've launched multiple military actions? Like, Who's in the situation room? That's what I want to know. Because it's obviously not Joe Biden. It's obviously not Secretary Austin. So who is running this, uh, this war effort? Because that's what it is. Don't kid yourself. The, the idea that the only news we get is coming from anonymous sources. I'm so sick of that. You have the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, this uh, General uh, C.Q. Brown, who I don't like anyway. You have the head of U.S. Central Command, um, General Carrilla, monitoring this attack. And apparently, Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, is involved in all of these discussions. Apparently, listen to this, according to Politico, he spoke twice to President Biden. And he has participated in calls with the National Security Council to discuss response options and execution following the president's authorization. Forgive me. You know, I don't mean to be an alarmist and I don't want to be hyperbolic. But really, we're launching attacks against Iranian proxies through a secretary of defense who's been in intensive care for days and now is in regular room. And President Biden, probably the least qualified and most bizarre commander-in-chief in my lifetime. Maybe Jimmy Carter still holds that, but I hate to speak ill of a man who's been in hospice for over a year. So now we're getting the details of the secretary's involvement in this strike. Wait a minute. How does that happen? And why haven't lawmakers said something about it. I think we've had two guys who said, well, maybe he should resign. What do you mean, maybe? Where's Joe Wilson, the House Armed Service Committee? Where are any of these people who are supposed to be defending the American people's right to know, transparency? It's kind of important when you're attacking Iranian proxies, but hey, 
don't let me uh, ask the questions that Politico should be asking and the AP and Reuters and uh, the Times and the Post. They should be asking these questions, but they're not interested. No, they're, they're managing the fallout of, a, of a yet another public relations blunder by the Biden administration. Just saying. And, and, and the big news headline is, well, Hunter Biden is willing to testify. He just needs a clearer subpoena. Oh, Lord. It's a clown show. Unfortunately, the clowns are armed with nuclear weapons. Anyway, don't forget to download our app, our 850 WFTL app. It's good to have that on your phone, on your laptop, so you can participate. We've got some really cool prizes right now. We have uh, Garlic Fest tickets, a family four-pack to the 25th Annual South Florida Garlic Fest taking place in the Village of Wellington Town Center in February. We have a pair of tickets to Art Palm Beach, the Palm Beach County Convention Center, January 24th through the 28th. That's supporting the American Heart Association's efforts to raise money. We've got a gift card to the Great Greek Mediterranean Grill, now open in West Boca. So you can't enter to win if you don't have the app or you don't visit the website, 850WFTL.com. So do it. Anyway, let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So, who knows? You got Hamas now turning to some of the allies in the Middle East who are more experienced in using money to win conflicts. Dollars, not bullets. It's called financial jihad. And they are literally calling for anybody in the Muslim world to put money into Hamas, not into humanitarian aid, because Hamas keeps getting in the way of humanitarian aid, doesn't allow it to reach the people. So if you finance Hamas, you're gonna have long more war. That's the bottom line. I mean, there's no easy good answers. And I think that one of the problems is people of good heart look at the death tolls and they get distressed and they want this to end. You know, they've long since forgotten about the horror of October 7th. And they try to do this sort of moral relativism, which I don't associate myself with for one reason. The minute Hamas decides to end this conflict, it's over. Israel would stop tomorrow if Hamas turned in all of the terrorists who orchestrated the October 7th attack. If Hamas said, here's the tunnels, close them up, let the aid get through to our people, Israel would immediately cease the military operation. But they won't do that. And the world will not ask them to do that. And they'll get South Africa, of all places, to prosecute them 
in in the Hague. You know, first and foremost, what is the point of that? Nobody really has ever cared. Even when they were prosecuting war crimes by the Nazis, it was always arm's length. Didn't mean much. We still had Nazis in South America, Nazis in America. Okay. We, we called out the bad guys. I don't believe that the IDF are the bad guys. I just see the same conflict that's been going on for centuries going on again. And these militant Islamist groups don't care how many people die. I believe that Israel cares more about how many people die, but are doing what they got to do. While Hamas keeps saying, we're going to keep doing that, we're going to keep attacking your people, we're going to sh keep shooting rockets. If we can get in, we're going to, you know, murder babies. We're going to do the same thing over and over again because we're oppressed. And so for Israel to say, oh, okay, you know, is ludicrous. So, you know, I, I hold Hamas responsible for what's happening to the Palestinian people, if you want to call them that, the nomadic Arabs that live in that part of the world. Don't forget, Gaza was returned to them. The West Bank was returned to them. And what they have done with the millions of dollars that nations from all over the globe have pumped in there trying to help them to build a state, they've used to dig tunnels and launch rockets. That's the bottom line. Hamas is a military operation, and they could care less how many of their own people die. And they have zero chance of prevailing, but that doesn't matter to them. And as for Iran, this is very convenient for Iran. You know, now they got three fronts. Oh, we'll fund Hezbollah, we'll fund the Houthis in Yemen. Well, this is great. Iran doesn't have to get its hands dirty at all. It's got plenty of money. We keep freeing up more money for them. And and the and the whole world is sitting around discussing how uh, you know, I'm listening to Anthony Blinken and I'm listening to people who I have a lot of respect for saying like, well, don't you think uh, Israel has to stop? No, I think Hamas has to stop. And when Hamas stops, Israel will stop. But not before. Because they're never going to let that happen again. When they said never again after the Holocaust, I thought they meant it. But apparently they weren't sure. They're sure now. We've seen the rise of anti-Semitism in the last couple of months to the level that is unbelievable. I mean, you got Jewish students at Harvard suing the university for, you know, the, the fact that the university wouldn't protect the students. You know, imagine it was some other group, Hispanics, blacks, anybody. The world would be up in arms. But not, not the Jews, you know, a call for the extermination of Jews, you know, say things like from river to the sea, oh, no problem. You know, after all, it's only the Jews, you know, and the Jews are responsible for anything bad that happens to them. That's their case. And so I, you know, I hear it. I see what's going on. I know that the United States is trying to contain this conflict, but they're not going to be able to. There are a lot of players, Iran being the major player. And, you know, I'm watching carefully. The Middle Eastern countries, this, you know, the Saudi Arabias, the Bahrains, they're sick and tired of Hamas. 
They're tired of Hezbollah, and they're real tired of Iran, who are nuclear capable. They're in the most peril, but they can't say anything. So I just, you know, I just watch and wait. I don't know that we have much much other uh, alternative. I, I look at the International Court of Justice in The Hague, and I, I you know, I, I chuckle. First and foremost, they can't even identify what, they, what it is they're talking about. Who are these people that they're talking about? What is this nation that they're talking about? Because it doesn't exist. We, we can make a, you know, make a claim that it should exist and that there should be a two-state solution. I'm willing to argue that with you. But the idea that uh, you know, the Jews should sit back while Hamas has crowdfunding campaigns how the groups like Kuwait's Revival of Islamic Heritage Society, who even the United Nations says has been raising money for Al-Qaeda. You got all these Europe-based charities with ties to the Union of Good, which is some stupid organization that was created by Hamas leaders and supporters to make it easier to get money to a group of terrorists who will do anything, including jeopardize the safety of women and children all day and all night. And, 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 and Jews and Israel supporters have to defend, you know, the, their position. It's, it's really, it's, it's just mind-boggling. It's dystopian is what it is. There's a tremendous need in Gaza right now, but it's the Hamas that doesn't allow the money to get through. Instead, it takes the money from charities like right now, they say something like $200 million that was raised by legitimate charities that's supposed to go to help all of the, the millions of Gazans who need food and medicine and shelter. Hamas takes the money, pays salaries to its fighters, finances its own operations, even outside of Gaza, and replenish their stockpile of rockets and other weapons. They don't care if their people die. It's what uh, Golda Meir said years ago. The war between Israel and, and the whatever people, the Palestinian people or the nomadic Arabs that are living in the same region, the war will end when they love their own children more than they hate the Jews. A and then it will end because Israel doesn't want to fight. They force Israel into these positions, and then they sit back and let the, uh, the, the public go like, oh, those terrible Jews. And that's what they say, too. Don't kid yourself. Um, anyway, today we will be talking with Derek. I haven't talked to him in a couple of, well, I have talked to him, but we haven't had him on the air in a couple of weeks. We're going to find out more about Travis Kelsey, and I'm awfully uh, grateful that uh, Julia Roberts has finally come out and told us why she did, hasn't gotten naked in the movies. It's kind of a funny story. But anyway, stay right where you are. That'll be in not the next segment, but the one after that. I'll be right back. And then there's the southern border, right? And I have to laugh when I listen to these uh, blue city and blue state mayors and governors going crazy, right? How, how are we supposed to deal with all of these illegal immigrants? Okay. Well, I've been saying that for, I don't know, 25 years. But when it was Texas and Arizona and New Mexico, nobody cared. A quarter of the states of this union are sanctuary states. 
big ones, California, Colorado, Illinois, Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, the state of Washington, Utah, Vermont. There are over 300 sanctuary jurisdictions in this country. So if you really wanted to make this problem go away, the first thing you would do is stop funding any of these sanctuary cities or states. Really. If they didn't have money that was being given to them directly by the federal government and all the money was being used instead to keep them out of the country or at least deport the millions who are not here for any legitimate reason, the Supreme Court has already said that the federal government has to remove people under the Immigration and Nationality Act, which is old. I mean, that, that was a law that was made the year before I was born, and I'm old. And that's why there's legitimate grounds for the impeachment of uh, Secretary Mayorkas, but no will. You know, it will go to the Supreme Court, but I can end it all tomorrow. If you want to cut out the pain that these sanctuary cities and states are going through, then get rid of the America Last policies that triggered all of this. That's right. People who, look at this. You have a school now where people were kicked out, students were kicked out of in-person learning which is very difficult for working parents, by the way. So this isn't a problem of the rich. This is a problem of the middle class and the poor. So now they can't go to school. Why? Because they needed to house illegal immigrants in Boston. In the last week of December, we heard that they were taking money from the veteran uh, healthcare resources and giving it to illegal immigrants through the Department of Veterans Affairs. We don't take good care of our veterans to begin with, never mind diverting some of the meager money that we do put towards their care. And we're giving it to, to people who now not only broke the law, be it civil or criminal, but have displaced American workers because we give them work permits now. As of this year, well, as of 2023, actually, there were 300 sanctuary localities and they had policies which said you cannot enforce immigration law. This, this is crazy. I don't want to hear from Mayor Adams or, or Governor Hochul or, or you know, the, the, the administration in Illinois or Chicago's mayor. I don't want to hear from these people. You brought this on. And if you want to know how to end it, I'll tell you how to end it. Dry up the funding. Do not give money to, look, am I sympathetic for somebody who, you know, escapes horrible conditions, maybe running away from drug cartels, who knows, or maybe just uh, seeking a better life. I'm very sympathetic. But there's an orderly process that we've always used. My veritable, you know, 
with the exception of Native Americans and Blacks, most everybody else came as an immigrant and had to do it legally. I mean, the Blacks were enslaved. So we, we can't draw any analogies there. But the idea that we would afford funding to cities and states who say, hey, if you can get here, we'll take care of you. What? $602 million in taxpayer-funded government grants got paid to sanctuary jurisdictions in one year alone. It could be as much as $2 billion since President Biden took office. That's staggering. You know, once upon a time, the Criminal Alien Assistance Program, however it manifested itself in various states, they had maybe 16% of the money that they were doling out was given to sanctuary jurisdictions. Now, it's 60%. That's four times bigger than under the Obama administration, who I thought was entirely too friendly to the cause. Now they look like, uh, you know, hardcore conservative anti-illegal immigration folks. So, you know, it's all going to boil down to do, do the Republicans in the House know how to wield the power of the purse because they have it. They should not allow any federal grant funding in any future appropriations bills to go to illegal immigrants or any sanctuary jurisdictions, period. Exclamation point, maybe. Congress has to do this, but they don't have. They don't, uh, am I confident that they will? Not. Do I even hope that they will? Not anymore. They've proven they are incapable. But I can uh, at least outline what I think is the best method, right? Dry up the funding. No more funding for sanctuary cities and states. And then maybe we could uh, bring some of the numbers into some realistic proportion. Although, I don't know. I think the cat's already out of the bag. It's too late. Anyway, don't forget coming up after me is Eric Erickson. And uh, then we'll be into the weekend. And it couldn't have come quickly enough for me. First full week back and it was arduous. You know, first of all, just today's the first day that I actually feel better which is uh, amazing because I'm telling you, I have no actual proof, but the anecdotal studies are in. Ever since uh, COVID vaccines, I just don't recover from anything in the fashion I used to. I know I'm old, but still, I think it might have something to do with it. So we'll, we'll uh, take a break right now. When I come back, I'll be talking with my son, Eric, Eric, my son, Derek, Still got Eric Adams on the mind. Be talking with Derek from TMZ, and we'll do something a little lighter to wind out of this week. Stay right where you are. They say that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But in the case of Derek Kaufman, the apple rolled all the way to L.A. The one thing Derek and his mother share in common, however, is the love for breaking news. TMZ is breaking news faster than the New York Times. So sit back and enjoy the news from Hollywood. It's only the Kaufman family can bring it. Well, welcome back. And of course, yes, it's been a while since mother and son teamed up for a little celebrity gossip. But we're back. How you doing, kid? 
I'm hanging in there, you know, battling a little cold. I just got back from the slopes last week. We were we're a ski family now, as Mary announced. So, of course, I came back with a cold. Perfect. Yeah. Well, you gave it to me before I left, so I'm not. That's exactly. Listen, it's it's cold and flu season. If all I have is the sniffles, I I feel like I'm coming out ahead. Absolutely, you're in better shape than uh, than many. Boy, I'll tell you. What is up with some of the celebrity news that I was reading about today? First and foremost, after all this time, we finally find out why Julia Roberts has never taken her clothes off in film. Yeah, this is the, this is the biggest story of the day. You know, Julia Roberts, who's been an A plus lister for what thirty more than thirty years now at this point, right? Uh, she says, "Look, I never got naked on camera, and it's not going to happen now. So just get it out of your head." She said she's always opted not to strip down for the roles. Um, and be that type of physical vulnerable on screen. And she says, uh, you know, I'm not making any any judgment on women who have done it, but I'm not going to do it. What I find interesting here is the role she's played, her most famous role, is that of a prostitute. Yeah, so pretty woman. naked in the prostitute role, yeah, I, I wouldn't hold your breath. She's not getting naked for the uh, the new one about uh, being, being at the end of the world in an apocalypse. So if it, it didn't happen to a pretty woman, don't don't hold your breath. Right, and and there comes a point where, You've just gone past the age limit. Um, Although, yes, you say that. I'm sure, you know, people were clamoring for it more maybe early in her her career, but she's a bombshell. I don't know if you've seen yes. this latest movie on Netflix. Julia Roberts is an absolute stunner in her 50s. She's just oh, one yeah. of those timeless beauties. And, uh, you know, she's still got the, the big mouth and the big smile and the teeth and the whole thing. But she's she, she really is uh, just a, a classic at this point, which is strange to say because she was such an ingenue in the beginning. Right, but I think, you know, and what it does tell you is that people appreciate a little bit of, uh, you know, let me use my imagination. Uh, we knew she was beautiful. She was the pretty woman. She didn't have to take off her clothes and prove it. I think you're right. Look, it works for some people, though. Uh, although I think, you know, nudity can be used in, in sort of tasteful ways. Look at someone like Helen Mirren, who was n- naked a bunch in early in her career, and she's really transitioned into sort of a fine leading lady. She's playing Golda Meir now. So it doesn't <laughs> mean that you'll always be sort of cast as the harlot in, in any way like that. Right. And, but again, I, I think it overshadows your sheer talent. Julia Roberts had nothing to prove, and she has taken on some very challenging roles from uh, you know, uh, being uh, on the ground fighting against corporate interests and 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 just you, you can't really do that and be the young naked ingenue. I'm sorry. Yeah, you look, you're, you're right. It helps that she's got acting chops. She can yeah. really pull it off on screen and she's got a thousand watt smile. So she doesn't yeah. need to do it. And she has the leverage to say, I'm only going to take this role if uh, you'll let me do it. And I'm not taking my clothes off. So yeah. not everyone's so fortunate. And some people have their breaks in different ways and then are able to gain that leverage. But good for Julia Roberts. She's sticking to her guns. Exactly. And what is wrong with Ariana Grande? I mean, this is the best that best she can do is to ask the public, why do you care who I who I uh, bang is that the word she yeah used? you know I, I also i also get very irritated I've, I've been in this game for a long time now and when there are these lyrics to her song that are asking hey what why are you so interested in my relationship why do you care so much who who i'm with and who i'm having sex with the reason we care is because you put yourself out there and you ask us to care your nice. whole your whole popularity you know our attention is your currency so nice. the minute we stop paying attention to you you have no career you're not a surgeon, you're not Jeff Bezos who runs a company, you're an entertainer. And so our interest in you is 
vitally important to your career. So I get a little irritated in her new music video when she's making those kind of pronouncements. I mean, look, she's tabloid fodder for a reason because we're interested in, in her music. We're interested in her career. We're interested in her personal life. And I, I don't like this move. No, I think it's it's just it's tacky. And, and we've seen it before. It always fails. This is not going to incur a tremendous amount of, uh, you know, love uh, for her. I don't think she's a beloved kind of character anyway. I just think she's a talented singer. I think you're right. I think I think what she uh, wants to present herself as is I'm just a musical talent. But both go hand in hand these days. You can no longer just be a great singer with a completely private life. I mean, your popularity and social media and the importance and the centrality of that means that we're going to be interested in all aspects of it, not just uh, not just whether you can sing. I mean, look at Taylor Swift. She doesn't ask us to not gawk at her. I give her credit. She writes her lyrics. She puts her personal life out there, and then she doesn't complain too much that we're interested in it. No, well, speaking of uh, of her, what's up with Travis Kelsey now and his pronouncements? Well, you know, there's so much interest in Travis Kelsey, and one of the big things on people's mind is, is he going to retire? Because he's not young by football standards. He's 34 years old, you know, because he shares an age with Taylor, and mm. that's old in the football game. He's had a lot of surgeries, a lot of injuries over the years. There's a lot of contact. And it starts to wear down your body. But he said in a press conference, I'm not thinking about giving up on football. I have no reason to stop playing. He loves it. Uh, the Chiefs are still a great team that always gets results on the field. He's got Patrick Mahomes to ride him deep into the playoffs every year. And he says, don't look for me to hang it up anytime soon. And I think that's probably good for the stability of his relationship with Taylor, too, is that you know you both want to have a career, and so he's not just sort of uh, traipsing around on red carpets uh, like a leech. <laughs> so yeah. I think this is probably for the best for them as well. So what do you think about uh, Saban and Belichick? I mean, it's the end of an era. And look, it's the end of an era for a lot of septuagenarians. I mean, <laughs> Pete Carroll was another 70-year-old who stepped away. These are all three legends, Saban, Belichick, and Pete Carroll, um, all have to find new jobs. And I think Nick Saban is cemented as one of the greatest college football coaches of all time. He's got the titles, and Bill Belichick has them in the NFL. So I think both guys will be able to find work if they want it. Um, but I really did. It was sort of sad to see Belichick, as much of a Jets fan as I am, to see him hang it up and say, uh, I'm done with the Patriots. It's a strange going to chase down Don Shula's record for sure. I think he's 15 victories away. Right. right. Uh, but he'll do it on another team. Yeah, if if he does, I mean, you know, I suspect that some of these guys just don't want to go home and do nothing. They've had the limelight, but I never thought that about Nick Saban. And, and when he didn't want to watch any of the games after they lost, after Alabama lost, I said, he's winding out. He's done. That he's really was it. I think you just get yeah. tired. That that coaching game is a Ugh. full-time commitment and, you know, recruiting. It's a year-round kind of job, and maybe they're tired. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Nick Saban has certainly earned earned a soft landing. Yeah. All right. Any other big time news that we should be paying attention to? You know, we've, we've broken a bunch of stories on the website. You should check out the one about Billy Vanilli. I mean, this guy, oh, yeah. um, Fab Borvan, who was half a Billy Vanilli, was in a kind of a secret marriage for a long period of time that's now come to an end. They were married for back in, back in 1998, and now it's coming to an end. We didn't even know they were married the whole time. So check it out if you're interested. And uh, we'll they talk got four next time. kids, too, don't they? That was uh, uh, yeah, like, like, yeah. They, they got like a family. Yeah. Well, no, he ha he has all the kids with someone else. Oh. With someone else, that's the interesting part of it. Oh. Is that he has this whole life with a woman named Tessa Vanderstein. They have four children, but the divorce is from a different woman named Kim Marlowe. So oh, wow. very interesting. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thanks, kid, and I hope your cold gets better. Mine finally turned around. Sounds good. Take care, everyone. Have a good weekend. All right. You too. Well, that does it for me this week, ending on a frivolous note. I thank you for your time this time until next time. And my plan is to take the weekend off. Got a lot going on this weekend. And then my plan is to be back here on Monday at 3 o'clock. If it be his will and he delays his coming, it is the Martin Luther King special. My show will be devoted to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. You do not want to miss it. And believe me, uh, maybe some things you didn't know about Dr. King. May God bless you. May God bless Israel. And may God bless the United States of America. See you next week. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.